Welcome back, listeners, to a Wednesday live episode of The New Standard. We typically go on on Thursday morning. But Neil is accommodating me and my schedule by being able to go on on Wednesday evening. So thank you, Neil, my partner in crime, for accommodating the schedule and adjusting. Unlike you, Lance, I go all night. I don't know about you. I don't know what your problem is. Um, that could go <laughs> in a lot of different directions. <laughs> I was thinking you pick of, one and you go with it, Lance. I was thinking of job. when you said that. I was thinking of hymns. To be honest, that was the first thing that went through my mind. Was was hymns? Um, <laughs> that was the first thing when you said go all night. I was like hymns. I was like, huh, okay. Um, so, what the hell is he talking about? I don't know. Uh, so, welcome, Steeler Nation, to another program. And uh, as always, the show is brought to you by yours truly, us, the new us, Neil Kulong, and myself, Lance Williams. Big up to the show sponsor, High Bar Apparel. If you want to check out the program, you can check it out on a variety of platforms, podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify. And the show, as always, is available on YouTube. And the way we do it, um, we do our show on Thursdays. We'd like to jump into a number to wrap up, to put a little bow on the previous game. Of course, that was that beautiful five-quarter epic 16-16 to debacle against the Detroit Lions in which many people commented to me that you guys had a, a ball talking about that game. That you guys really went in. So, Neil, what what's your number uh, for this game th- that best encapsulates the game for you? As you know, Lance, I'm not somebody that trifles around in the shallow end of things. So, my number is nine of twelve, which is something I just tweeted out too. That is the number of catches and targets that Mason Rudolph gave Ray Ray McLeod in Sunday's tie against the Detroit Lions. Y'all might think I am going to freak out over uh, his level of production, but to be honest with you, watching the game back, he looked pretty good. It, it, it wasn't junk from him at all. It wasn't empty stuff. He got himself open, and whether or not he was the primary guy on on a lot of what they threw him, that that's another conversation for another time. The reality is, um, it, if nothing else, 9 of 12 shows Mason Rudolph identified a receiver who was open enough to, to be able to make a play on the ball uh, nine of 12 times. I would even say it's nine of 11 times because to be honest with you, Mason Rudolph was the one who screwed up what should have been a touchdown pass to him. So the fact that it, there, there are a lot of fans that are expressing outrage over the fact that uh, McLeod was, if you want to call it featured in the offense, he was making plays. He was getting open um, it, it seemed to me, if anything, Rudolph identified a guy who was open on the field and threw him the ball. I, I think that's a fairly positive thing, all things considered. Uh, one of the three that he missed was plenty bad. The other two were probably not really out, out of the ordinary all that much. And it was something that obviously the Lions were giving the Steelers. He took advantage of what was there. There were more positive things uh, overall than I probably initially would have thought with Rudolph's performance. It was worse where it was bad, though. The throws that he missed were even worse in retrospect. Uh, I'm sure he heard about that quite a bit. There were some things he did pretty well, and to be honest, a lot of it was throwing the ball to Ray Ray McLeod. And you can take that to, to be whatever you want it to be. 
Uh, it wasn't all bad. There were some good things in there, but it, it's it's an interesting uh, note going into this weekend's game. What exactly is going to be McLeod's role? How are they going to defend him? Uh, what will they do? Will they consider him to be a formidable target? Will that open up somebody else? Let me read a quote from Mike Tomlin, and, and I think it encapsulates, before I get to my number, what you're talking about, how there was some good there with Mason Rudolph and not all bad. He said the following. Rudolph did a good job, and this is Mike Tomlin again, did a good job of articulating the offense. I guess that means calling the plays, I'm going to assume, and getting through the calls. Uh, Communicating with the guys, the pace in which we desire to work, he was able to uphold. We work fast some. We utilize cadence as a weapon, and he's central to that. We were able to attack them downfield with the use of pace, his ability to communicate not only in game, but between series and express likes and dislikes and articulate what he saw was acceptable. His reads and distribution of the football were largely what we wanted. He stretched the ball downfield at times and gave us an opportunity to make them not only defend the field horizontally, but vertically. Now, let me just say this before you comment. (laughs) This is very verbose. It's very Tomlin-esque. And as I was reading it, I was getting lost in some of the verbiage. <laughs> I'll be quite honest. I was like, I don't know what he's trying to say. I sort of get it. I, I think he's saying, and I don't want to read too far into this, because part of the program we're going to talk about a bridge over troubled waters, about where the Steelers go in terms of the quarterback position. I don't want to read too much into this other than if Mason Rudolph has to start on Sunday, he has to build the confidence of his quarterback and he has to build him up. So he feels confident going into that next, into the next game. He doesn't want to rip him in public and break him down and beat him down that way and and make him really think somewhat differently, have a little bit less of confidence. So I think this is sort of a coach, um, you know, kind of building the player up mentally and getting him ready to perform. So I don't want to read too much into the future about this quote, and this quote means anything about next year. What do you take from this quote? And overall, as you gave that stat to Ray Ray McLeod, does your grade of Mason Rudolph's performance from Monday change? Because you were pretty low on Mason Rudolph after that game. Generally speaking, my grade wouldn't ultimately change much uh, that matters. And it's interesting because I think that is the short way in, in the, the quote that you read, which was very interesting. Um, you can see the amount of things that go into a real evaluation, not just some chucklehead talking on YouTube, but what they're really looking for. And a lot of those things are, um, they, they are very important. You, you want to be able to communicate, articulate the offense, as he said, which is really kind of like a, a, a 360 degree um process of of obtaining the information and uh, getting it out to the people who are on the front lines those are all important traits of the quarterback they don't matter if you don't throw the ball well and i think mike tomlin knows that and i think what he's trying to say is we're fairly certain he's going to have to play next week so to your point we're going to pump him up with factual statements in our opinion we feel that he articulated the offense. He was communicating it well. I'll be honest. I don't know what field stretching uh, Mike is talking about. I don't know uh, to what degree they they played with more pace than they planned to play at. 
I didn't see either of those things. I saw a team that scored 16 points in almost five quarters of play. And a lot of that was due to the quarterback who couldn't complete passes. So I I, did see that. (laughs) To be fair, I'm not, you know, it's not worth challenging. I I understand Mike Tomlin is going to say what Mike Tomlin wants to say. He's been doing this for a long time. He's not going to get baited into a conversation he doesn't want to have. That said, maybe it's reasonable of him to point that out because we all saw everything else. So I, I think between the lines, what he's really saying is it wasn't all bad, but to me, that was as quintessential as a perform of a performance you're going to get from an obvious backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, I, I said this at one point, I think earlier this week, when your backup is starting, he's no longer your backup. The expectation rises, the new standard Lance, you, you have to have a standard of execution uh, coming from the most important position in the game, in the sport, and across any sport. You need to be able to do a better job than what Mason Rudolph did. Now, we talked about it a bunch. The 50 throws, I think, are overrated. I don't think that that's worth diving into. They had, what, four possessions, three possessions in overtime? He threw twelve. He threw nine of his 12 passes on uh, the, the, the last-ditch drive, which they got the ball back with 137 left on the clock. Of course, they're going to throw a bunch. Um, that number in and of itself, I think, is is inflated beyond what's reasonable. The idea that most people have is they threw three straight times to the goal line. Well, to be honest with you, it's not the first time they've done that with Ben. You might recall, I, I think they were 0 for 2 throwing the ball before Fryermuth pulled down a, a, a handy pass against Cleveland, what was three consecutive passes. So Here, here's th- a low this is bar not different defense. for the Steelers. Here's a low-bar defense of Ben Roethlisberger. At least when he throws it three times in a red zone, he doesn't skip it. <laughs> At he least throws it one time anywhere on the field, he doesn't skip it. He, he doesn't yeah. skip it. Oh, now, it's, just, it's always going to come back to that. It's always yeah, going to come back to that. I, I mean, you can't. I mean, you just. I mean, I was I was the definition of a below mediocre backup quarterback at the high school level in Minnesota, which might be one of the five worst states for football talent in the country. I would not have underthrown that simply because you're not getting many better looks than this. This is the pass you absolutely have to complete. The fact that he missed it, uh, he looked awful doing it. it. It's as if he didn't expect it, but you can't ever not expect something as a quarterback. That's yeah, the, the weird thing about that play is if you were the typical guy playing off of adrenaline and playing fast, you would airmail it as opposed to skip it, which was weird that, that he skipped it. So let me jump into my numbers. I'm going to give you two numbers, but I'm actually going to give you the 50 number, but not necessarily the number in and of itself, at meaning I'm not going to concentrate on the 50. I think in those conditions, 50 throws or just having a – where the game gets a little distorted and it gets a little left-handed in terms of the passing game, I thought was a little odd. I think right now – your best offensive player, particularly in that football game, is Najee Harris. I mean, I think you probably lean on Najee a little bit more in the, in certain instances in that game because in the game itself, you know, Najee was averaging four yards a carry, actually got 105 yards in the game. So that's my only knock about the 50 per se, but not necessarily just the number, the 50. But my number really is 5.9. And 5.9 is the yards per carry that the Detroit Lions had in the game. 
They ran it 39 times for 229 yards for 5.9 yards per carry. The Steelers, after that ball game, and let me look at a chart that I have here. I think right now the Steelers' defense is giving up 4.6 yards per carry, which is 28th in the National Football League. I don't think a member of Steeler Nation, anyone watching this football team, would have guessed at this point, even without a Lulu into it, that they would be giving up 4.6 yards per carry. The tackling along with the run defense in that game and the lack of gap integrity was just abysmal. Now, one thing, and agree with, disagree with me, you know, if you must, after I say this. What I've seen typically for solid defensive teams is that when something happens to you in a week, there's going to be a focus on that the following week. And more than likely, in most instances, if you get gouged one week in one element, you're going to address that. So I would expect this Sunday, and not just to jump into the breakdown and analysis of the game, um, I would expect that the Steelers from a run defensive perspective will be a lot more gap sound and they'll be a lot better on the run side of the ball in terms of their run defense. But that 3.9 yards, excuse me, 5.9 yards per carry was really, really, really bad. Now, I wasn't aware of this, and big up to Vernon Woody. He brought this up. Do you really want Najee? Uh, like that with the bad foot. I wasn't aware that 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 Najee had a bad foot. Did he have a bad foot in that game? Yeah, I, I said that uh, during the show last week. I I don't know what people expect. They they he's not going to survive if he's getting the ball forty times a game, and his workload to this point has been astronomical. He he can't break down. They do not have another option there uh, that that gives them any kind of of. Uh, utility at the position so he has to be able to survive they're going to have to throw the ball you know we've said this all year they it, to whatever degree the offensive line isn't good too bad you're gonna have to run the ball to whatever degree they, they can't pass too bad you're gonna have to pass and i to me i think this is one of those games that uh far too many people look at the round number of 50 and know that that's that that goes above a certain um you know there, there's a, a a stigma about that I don't think the game played out that way fairly. I think people forgot that they played an additional 30 plays in overtime. Harris was hurt going into the game. And that is probably mostly due to the fact that he's had a large workload and they're at the midway point of the season. So yes, I know they threw the ball three times at the goal line. As I pointed out before, they've done that before. It's not unusual that they do that. It's not unusual for a lot of teams to do that. They had a play that had him a touch. They, they got him a touchdown. They got him a touchdown. Yeah, it. he just didn't okay. execute it. Um, it it would have worked. It's not a play calling issue. Harris though got the ball plenty. Uh, he had a, a healthy workload. People are acting like he got ignored. It's not the case at all. Um, he handled the ball quite a bit. It's just you know one more drive where they get one more first down, perhaps uh, that that percentage probably evens itself out a little bit more. I, I it's not an issue in my mind, but we are not going to see him getting the ball four or five times a, a, a drive moving forward. It's just not going to happen. I'm going to be greedy and give another number. And this is actually probably the most surprising number of all. It's the number six. You focused on Ray Ray McLeod's targets of 12, 
but James Washington actually got six targets in the game. I can't remember the last game that James Washington got six targets. So the happiest man in Pittsburgh when Mason Rudolph was starting was probably James Washington because James Washington gets no targets. But let's shift and put a lid on the Lion game. And, Neil, can you bust out the injury updates? What's going on with the Steelers' injury situation? Because I think that might be the most compelling thing going into this game against the Los Angeles Chargers. It absolutely 100% is. And to be honest, it's going to come down um, this this season, largely for the Steelers, the rest of the way is going to come down to their ability to get guys back on the field. And I don't think, uh, from my perspective, that is going to start this week. They're banged up pretty badly um, or they're sick. Start with that, really. COVID kind of has its own uh, mark on the injury report, in my opinion, nowadays. Ben Roethlisberger, as we know, uh, tested positive late last week for COVID-19. And with that, he is vaccinated. He needed five days after um, a, a negative test in order to be eligible. The earliest he could do that, I believe, is tomorrow. Now, uh, is he going to be all sounds uh, that we have heard to this point is that he's not going to be able to practice tomorrow. And that puts in jeopardy the idea of him uh, playing Sunday night. That obviously is a problem. Um not much you can do about it. That's just kind of the way that it goes. Uh, however, the, the understatement to that is Minka Fitzpatrick will miss his first game as a Steeler um, with a, a COVID positive test. He hoped that uh, he is able to recover from that and get back on the field, but uh, he won't play this weekend. So break that's this down big, for me, Neil, That's real a big quick. hole. Break <laughs> this down real quick for me, Neil. So with Ben's timeline, he can for, he has to start getting the negative test starting tomorrow. So he has to get two negative tests in two consecutive days Yes, if before he, did, he travels. If he did that after the five day, if he has two positive tests and it's been five days, he's able to return to the team. Uh, if he doesn't have that, then he can't. We don't know specifically whether he does or not. The team is not going to disclose that. They're not really mentioning it. Um, in fact, he's not even on the injury report, uh, which makes sense. Uh, COVID report is different. But um he the earliest he would have been eligible to practice again would have been tomorrow. It does not sound like he's going to. In fact, it almost seems like they ruled him out uh, well ahead of time, which is different for for COVID. You don't normally hear that. Um, Minka, by the time that he had tested positive, by the time he had tested positive, um, it, it, the timeline is just too much. He's not going to be able to play. We knew that going into it. But Ben tested positive on Friday. So uh, he might have had a shot to play. Sunday, but it almost seems like the team uh, is is building to prepare for him not to be there anyway. Um, probably a dozen different reasons um, that that might happen. Uh, it, it's it's problematic either way. It sounds like they're going to prepare to give Rudolph uh, his second consecutive start, which I'll leave it to you guys to, to weigh in on whether that's a good thing or not. But um, it, Ben playing at 50% with no stamina coming off of COVID-19. I don't think that sounds like a real winning formula either. So it, it, maybe it, it's just best if they do prepare Rudolph from the get-go and uh, not run into the problem that they had last week, which was they found out about this late and had to throw Rudolph in uh, to a starting situation well after the team had already practiced. And as we saw within the offense, that didn't work all that well for him. So it's so, so Ben get, let me get this right. So Ben did self-report and he took the yes. test self-reported and that well, started they, off. They all have to take tests. He reported symptoms. I believe it was Friday. 
and he had a positive test on Friday. He was ruled out uh, Saturday night is when he was placed on uh, the COVID-19 list. That was at that point, um, what, 15 hours, 16 hours before the game. So um, obviously that that's problematic. I'm sure they knew about it to some degree, but it certainly wasn't enough to get three practices in with Rudolph. No, no, I would guess that's what they're trying to do now. Um, If it's in doubt, what they'd rather do is have one quarterback prepare the whole week. Um, Right. That makes sense. I, I, again, I'm just speculating. I I would think that's what they're doing. Um, It, it, you know, it wouldn't be the first time they've smoke screened everybody about Ben's health. So I can't rule that out either. I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens the rest of this week, but I can assure you if he doesn't practice Friday, he's not going to play. As I understand with COVID and correct me if I'm wrong, they test. So vaccinated ball players test twice a week. I don't know the days and I believe unvaccinated ball players test daily. Um, So I'm thinking this is my speculation. Correct me if I'm wrong. There, there was probably a great chance that Minka probably played the game with the positive, at, at, with a, at being you know positive for COVID at that point. Um, um, it certainly, from a scientific and a mathematical perspective, that's possible. I, yeah. I have no way of knowing that though. Yeah, because I was wondering, because um, I'm thinking because you know in my in, in my job we we, we test because I'm thinking that maybe he may have gotten a test probably Thursday or Friday. Um, you know, maybe he got infected after his after his negative test, his last negative test. And then because my expectation was you might have some other Steeler players in terms of contact tracing. Possible. Um, uh, you know, that, so that's we'll the key to, that's the key to getting vaccinated, though. Um, guys yeah. that come in contact with. Um, it, it, really do have to be a lawyer to figure out a lot of this. I studied this this offseason for this very reason. And I just choked on, on the big stage. If a guy is not vaccinated and comes across somebody, or if somebody who is not vaccinated um, comes across somebody who is not vaccinated, they're held to a far more stringent policy, which is right, what happened with sense. Aaron Rodgers. Um, also, to point out, Rodgers missed one game. So uh, Ben missing two would be a little bit different. Um, outside of the realm of it, but uh, Ben, it, based on on the protocol that he's following, Ben is a confirmed vaccinated uh, uh, player. So right. um, the fact that people who came in contact with him um, are not required to sit or anything like that is a good thing. So um, you're you're happy for that at least. But uh, for Minka to come down with it, um, who knows if that's related or not? We we have no way of knowing that. Um, it, it shows that it's there and. You know, very right. well could uh, spell a bigger problem. But right. just like last year, we're, we're hanging on um, every report that's going to come out about this. Uh, they they test, yes, less frequently, to your point, but uh, it's still there. I mean, did they even have more than two or three last year, I think? They've had two in a week now, so yeah, uh, who so knows? You have an issue. Let's. Well, what about the rest of the injury report, just the non-COVID injuries? I know Kevin Non-COVID, Dotson the actual old-school injury report the one that uh one that's a little bit easier to discuss chase claypool is still being bothered by the toe injury that he has had he was limited in practice today um here's the tough part these names are very very important joe hayden foot injury trey turner ankle injury kevin dotson ankle injury and tj watt hip and knee none of the four of them practice all have injury distinctions um it is possible three of the four of those guys don't play 
And uh, we're talking about some pretty valuable players in terms of, um, on one hand, their skill. On the other hand, a complete lack of depth. Um, Joe Hayden, I think, is, is a good cornerback, but the lack of depth behind Hayden uh, it is, is a problem. Uh, both of your starting guards are, are potentially out. And I'm, I can only cringe and, and speculate Lance that that would mean starts for JC Hassenauer and BJ Finney um, against the chargers on the road. Uh, that's not a good thing. Yeah, that, that's, that's tough. And you're yeah. without your free safety already. So you're looking at uh, two in the secondary, two on the offensive line and your best pass rusher. And sorry, you're not you're not beating a whole lot of teams with that. <laughs> that's, Steelers uh, 60, that's a lot. <laughs> Steelers sixty three wrote, "I hear Norwood will play for Minka if he is out with COVID nineteen. Well, Minka's going to be out. Yeah. Has Tomlin yeah, talked about? Playing. Has Tomlin talked about who's going to play free safety? Because I have not heard. I have not. He, read he that. mentioned Norwood. Norwood probably would be the guy uh, next up. I I would imagine. But at the same time, it doesn't. It, it's here's the weird thing, and that this is what you have to remember with Minka. Uh, maybe not having the best year that uh, he's had in his career. Uh, they're asking him to do a lot more things. I think that might be a part of it. We've seen him miss some tackles and that, that you kind of hope that an all-pro guy can make. Overall, though, this team gives up far fewer bigger big plays than it did before Minka got there. And Minka yeah, hasn't missed absolutely. a game since he got there. So that that's substantial in my mind. That's a, that's a really tough loss. Um, you don't just erase the back third of a field easily. That That's not something you can just do. Trey Norwood was, you might remember this, Lance, in, in early on conversations, he was my favorite player in this draft. I, I loved where he was. I loved it. He was built to play in this defense. And Tomlin very astutely pointed that out very quickly. He's a matchup kind of guy. You can put him in a lot of different spots. Uh, utility defensive back. I have a lot of hopes for him. Name me the last Steelers rookie seventh round pick who's played as well as Trey Norwood has. You have to go back a ways. You know, you're not seeing much. So that they're they I, I like the fact he is on the team. I like the role that he's playing. I don't know what it's gonna look like when he's taken 65 snaps on the road against Justin Herbert. We'll see what happens. But if if I'm Los Angeles, I'm bombing the hell out of this secondary land, air, and sea as early as humanly possible. And I'm not letting their run game get involved. I'm, I'm going to go at them immediately. Let's see what the rookie can do. I, I think that's exactly what we're going to see. And I think this is a nice little segue into the game. So, you know, when I look at the Steelers from an injury standpoint coming into this game, I mean, there are some favorable stats when you look at the Chargers that I think if the Steelers were healthy – they could take advantage of. I mean, the Chargers, although they have a very good coordinator on defense, uh, Coach Staley, uh, they are giving up 25.3, 25.3 points per game, which is 25th in the National Football League. When you look at them in terms of run defense, they're even worse than the Steelers in terms of yards per carry. They're giving up 4.8 yards per carry. So that could be a thing that the Steelers could hang their hat on potentially offensively. But the problem, I think, is what you point out is you might be able to bomb the Steelers out of being able to run the football by getting up on them early. And on top of it, even though Bosa, who's in COVID-19, Joey Bosa, who's in the COVID-19 protocol, and he's going to probably miss the game. If you force Mason Rudolph, who we think is going to start, and he's behind it in terms of the score, 
with your starting guards potentially being out and Dotson um, and your starting guards. So it, it doesn't give you – there's not much you can go into this game with, you know, offensively. I mean, your two interior linemen are out. You have a, a backup quarterback. I mean, what is this offense going to look like? What do you think they're going to try to do in this offense? Are they going to just kind of <laughs> stick with the formula, try to run the football? I don't know. I mean, it's just weird. Like, I mean, I can't. I really do. can't. It's I like really saying can't. You're, when you're when you're living in in Charles City, Iowa, on a Saturday night, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. <laughs> what is there to do? I mean, they don't. They don't have much. You know, and, and you think their protection was bad before they put in the two backup cards. Oh, boy. They're, I don't know, Lance. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I think that's they're, they're going to probably throw short a lot. That, that would be my guess. Yeah, I mean, I still think the predominant amount of touches will be um, Najee. Najee will still get his 20 touches in the running game. You know, maybe this is a yeah, game where sure. – you know, Najee gets more in terms of a pass receiver. Uh, maybe he's featured a little bit more in, in, in the pass game. But when you go in this game and Claypool with a toe, this is a tough game for them. This is a tough game for them on the road uh, to get anything going uh, in, in terms of their offense. And I think it's going to be equally tough on the defensive side of football because everything I've read this week, it does not look like T.J. Watt is going to play. I mean, Tomlin always says, for that man, T.J. Watt will keep the lights on. Keep and the lights on. Leave well, that means, open. yeah, I mean, but that means, you know, still might come in real late. <laughs> so he still might come in, but the, the reality is he had an MRI on hip and knee injuries on the same leg. What's he going to do if, if he does play? I mean, you know, anytime that, that Taco Charlton cannot be on the field, I'm sure is a positive thing, but it, it, you're not going to do much. You know, it, it's – He's going to be a limited player. I'm sure the warrior mentality, he's still working out hard and all that. He wants to be out there, and I get that. But you're not going to get an, an A-plus game from, from T.J. Watt. I don't think anyway. I, I hope that he does. And it's not, and I'm, not, I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying he's not going to be uh, uh, healthy. He's just not going to be able to explode. You don't have a leg. I mean, that's, those are two pretty substantial areas of your leg to be hurt and expect you to drive and push off. I just don't see how, how that's going to happen. Yeah, this is a game where the axiom, the standard is the standard, is what it is. The expectation is for them to go out and be professional and play to the best of their ability and trying to secure the victory. In all reality, this is going to be a tough one. They're, they're a banged-up bunch. They're on the road, and they're starting more than likely – a backup quarterback and Mason Rudolph. This is going to be a tough one for them. So let's jump into the predictions for this game. What's your prediction from a score perspective? And let me give you the line for the game. Going into the game as of today, I believe the line is minus five and a half. Give me your prediction for the game. Uh, I, the Chargers are going to cover that. Um, I, you hate to put 30 on them. Steelers, incidentally, have not given up. Um, 30 points in a game in their last 40 games, which is the longest streak in the NFL and the longest streak in franchise history. Incidentally, the last time they did was against the Los Angeles Chargers in 2018. That game, you might remember when they had a 23 to 7 lead and blew it. Um, part of that off of a, a, a big punt return early in the third quarter, and, and the Chargers took over after that. Um, are they going to get 30? I 
I'm going back and forth. I'm going to say no right now. I'm going to give them, I'm going to say 27, 13. I, well, I think they'll win this pretty, pretty handily. The well, I'm going to go out on a limit. I'm going I'm to go with the 30 because I, I think it, I think they're going to get up on the Steelers early. And I think it's going to put Mason Rudolph into some positions to have to try to throw the ball aggressively downfield to get back into the game. And with the guards out, uh, Turner and Dotson, I think the pass protection with more anyway is inconsistent. I think the pass protection is going to be bad. I think Mason Rudolph's going to turn the ball over several times, and I think they're going to give up 30. I like the Chargers to win 30 to 13. I think it's going to be a pretty dominant performance. I think just even if they were healthy, I mean, this Charger offense is pretty good with the fact that Herbert can attack you in our areas of the football field. You have Eckler. You have Cal football, Keenan Allen. You've got Williams. <laughs> you've got uh, the big tight end. Is it, is it Cook? The tight end Cook? Okay. Um, and, and so they're just a tough team. Any, anyway. They're, they're a very good um, team. They're you know, a they're, young team, but they're a very good team. Yeah, they got a lot of talent. They're inconsistent, um, but they got a lot of talent. And they're figuring out, and they got a really dynamic, really smart uh, young coach. I, I, I think that the Chargers are going to dominate. So let's shift reels into the main topic of the show a bridge over troubled water. But before we jump into that, and a bridge over troubled water, we're talking about the concept of a bridge quarterback. And a bridge quarterback I define as the guy before you find the guy. Your bridge quarterback, and I'll give you guys an example. A bridge quarterback was Cam Newton for the New England Patriots last year. The Patriots have presumably found their guy in Mac Jones. Cam was the bridge. I think they finished seven and 10. It helped them get Mac Jones. They got off Cam Newton. He was no longer needed as the bridge guy. They found their guy of the future. But before we jump into this discussion of, about the bridge quarterback, and I want to get your definition of a bridge quarterback, because that's mine. The guy, you, the guy before you find the guy. And, and this is a little pipe dreamish. But I, but I want to get your thoughts. Not saying this could happen or it will happen. If the Steelers were in the market for the Rodgers or the Russell Wilson trade, and, and, and give me your preference between the two, one, and what's the compensation for to get that trade done for either one of those guys? Boy, that that's that's such a – there are so many factors that are going to go into that. First and foremost, my uh, my choice right now, absolutely without a doubt, would be Russell Wilson. Uh, it's a lot younger. I agree. A lot um, younger. Hey, Rogers is going to be forty next year. I don't. I don't care what Tom Brady is doing. For once in the, every NFL fan over the last twenty years, for once, we need to just accept the fact that Tom Brady is not a normal dude. Okay, he is not the standard of anything. That yeah, guy is well. so far above and beyond everything. Rogers is freakish in his own right, but how much are you going to get out of him? How long are you going to get it? And do you want to deal with a, a guy that has basically put uh, the organization that he's with uh, on on blast on a daily basis for the last year? I, I, no, <laughs> thanks. Age. No, thanks. I don't know how long he's going to last anyway. Um, who knows? We, we just simply don't know. There's too much risk there. Wilson is a lot younger. Wilson is, I 32. think, the type of Wilson is an excellent RPO quarterback. I think he would fit well with what they're trying to do offensively right now. Um, it, 
his biggest beef with Seattle is not really, in, in his words anyway, not really having input or say over whatever, which is kind of tinged like what Rodgers did. But as you might notice, Wilson didn't go off on this in a half an hour long uh, uh, rant during a press conference during the season. Um, he wasn't, you know, bitter and pissy about the team cutting a, a practice squad level receiver. It, it, Rogers just seems way too much maintenance for me. Great player. Absolute first ballot Hall of Famer. Might be the best passer in NFL history. I don't want him at that price. I don't want him. Um, Seattle, though, I think they're in a real tough spot. And this is what we're going to see uh, moving forward with quarterbacks in the NFL. There used to be a time, Lance, in which coaches were lame ducks if they were entering the final year of their contracts. It's quarterbacks now, but that's almost moving to, to two years ahead. Wilson is going to enter the last year of his contract next year. If you're John Schneider, if you're Pete Carroll in Seattle, if you haven't made him happy, and I'm not sure, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how long for the Seahawks Russ is right now. What are you going to need to get back for your franchise guy, for your that's Super the Bowl rub. champion? That, There's that's the, the problem. Rub. That's okay? the problem. Yeah. How do you compensate them for that? You are taking on uh, a relatively low amount of money. That's the key thing. Okay. Keep that in mind. Let's put that to the side for right now. But you're taking, if you're the Steelers, you're taking on a lot of salary. You're going to have to trade at least two first round picks and probably another premium pick on top of that to acquire the quarterback at a huge contract. And if I'm Seattle, I want a quarterback back. I want a quarterback in return. They can, I got two of them they can have in Pittsburgh. No, but see, but see, that would be the problem <laughs> on my end. Too, if you want that, that, that would be the problem on Cinnabon my end. On the way. <laughs> that would be the problem on my end if I were Seattle. I agree. I is agree. I, and you it, know what? Is, they could probably get that. Here's the, the weird thing is Seattle and, and Green Bay could probably pull off that deal. They might be the best equipped to, to make those trades. But the reality is when Russell Wilson is dangled around for a trade, what Pittsburgh could reasonably offer will be topped by three or four other teams pretty quickly. A guy like that doesn't become available very often. This draft does not look very good for quarterbacks. And on top of it all, Kenny Pickett, baby, pit football. Hey, I, I'm, I'm a big Pickett guy. I like what I see with Pickett. I don't think Pickett's a guy that can play next year. And if, if you're Pittsburgh, it, it, you're making me jump ahead now, but to, to, to round off Wilson, he's going to want an extension anywhere he goes. He's Absolutely. not getting he's not getting traded to play out a one year contract. Absolutely or not. Nobody is giving up capital unless they are fully prepared to make Russell Wilson one of the two or three highest paid quarterbacks in the game. There's no way that's not going to happen. Take Deshaun Watson's contract and add twenty percent to it. Take what um, I'm blanking on it. Uh, uh, Josh Allen got in Buffalo. Add to it. That's what you're going to have to pay Russell Wilson. And, and to your point. When you look at Russell Wilson's contract, the percentage of cap that it takes up in 2022 is 16.7, and in 2023, 17.8. That's tiny. And so, but to your point, when you increase it, when it's Jared Allen, bump me up, give me a tip on top of it because I'm I'm a baller and I got a Super Bowl and I'm Russell Wilson. And I'm Russell Wilson. I've got you over a barrel. (laughs) What are you going to do? Let me walk? 
you know, you you're have talking, to give me an extension. Right. You're talking like 20 percent of your yeah. cap, which puts yeah. you in. You better That's, score 30 points per game. As 20 percent is probably where a quarterback should be today to be honest, and that that's where the market's going. I, I don't have any issue with that. that. To me, that makes sense financially. Russell Wilson can play. He's pretty friggin' good. Do you want Rudolph out there next year? It, Russell Wilson's job, his agent's job, is going to be so incredibly easy. <laughs> to, if, if he gets out of Seattle, there is no way he's not getting every dollar that, that he wants. He's not going to have the exact situation that he wants because it, it, as, as Steelers fans should know, there is a world of difference between the top guy and even a reasonable backup. There are so few really good NFL quarterbacks. When you have the opportunity to get one, you get him and you got to pay him. That's that's just it. Whatever he wants, give him the franchise. You know? Yeah, you and you just patched you the roster to. around him. And you patched the roster around him. So in your new- Seattle, what what do you have to to get back to justify that to your right. season ticket holders? Right. I mean, you really can't. It's the end of John Schneider. Whether he makes that deal or not, it, it, it's a really tough spot for either one of them to be in. But to, to the main overall point here, Seattle is not going to do anything unless Wilson literally puts a gun to their head and makes them do it. There's no right, other way. Right, right. You're not getting back half of Russell Wilson. Three right. first-round draft picks. You don't have a quarterback for three years. You may right. as well be starting Mason Rudolph. Why would you take that on? Nobody wants that. That's why Pittsburgh would be making the deal in the first place. Seattle's not going to do it. So right. it's it's just not going to happen. I mean, and so so I'm glad we've had this discussion because I think you know, especially for my brother who falls into these little, you know, Aaron Rodgers winked at Tomlin on the sidelines. <laughs> so that's a great reason why he's coming to Pittsburgh. No, that's a great. That's clip, why though. these are great clip. You know, pretty pie in the sky because the compensation it just does not work out. Pretty much, Steelers don't have what I think Green Bay or Seattle would want in return to do the trades and both teams want to retain the quarterbacks, but quickly, what is a bridge quarterback to you? My definition is the guy before you find the guy, the guy to bridge, to bridge you to that next guy. I think that says it the best, to be honest. I, I, you know, I want to be original, but uh, the reality is bridge quarterback is it one from a physical perspective. He's not your long-term guy and he's not a rookie. He's not somebody that you're building. He's somebody who is Mr. Right Now, and that's it. He probably knows his replacement is either on the roster or he's a year away. Um, how about this? You want the real definition? He is whoever Pittsburgh is starting at quarterback in week one next year. That is a bridge quarterback. <laughs> so no other way around. So, so let's year. tease this out because we always talk about performance pay, performance pedigree and pay. So in, in terms of performance if you were to rank a bridge quarterback you've got 32 starters you've got in theory 64 quarterbacks in the national football league your first and second strangers where does where does the bridge quarterback rank in that list i i know you teased a, a number earlier today what's your number my number is about 40 anywhere from about 20 to 40 is your bridge guy I, I think that's high, to be honest with you. I, I think there are a lot of very mediocre quarterbacks in the NFL uh, fitting that definition of the bridge. You wouldn't be a bridge if he was good. So your best bridge guys, I think, are. A... Let me throw you a name. Andy Dalton. 
Dalton, I you know, Dalton's a pretty damn weak bridge. He's a flimsy bridge. He got benched in three games. I mean, I, that's the, rounding that off. That that's the funny thing. Everyone freaks out about Rudolph. Why don't you go out and sign somebody? Like Andy Dalton got ten million dollars from the Bears. Ten million dollars before they drafted Justin Fields. Before they had to trade up to draft Justin Fields. That's what the one. That's what the Bears thought of Andy Dalton. And two. That's what $10 million gets you as a quarterback in the NFL. You got to pay. Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the, the, the best bridge quarterback that's what in the I was NFL thinking. right now. And how he's about, making how, $23 million. How about Bridgewater? That, that's because Bridgewater, uh, not after what we've seen, I don't, Bridgewater's not very good. He's not, there's a reason why Bridgewater's almost played for, for a quarter of the teams in the league now. Um, three in the last three years. It's going to be four in four next year. He is, a, a candidate to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick as the most uh, sought after and beloved bridge quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he's a mercenary. Just call him a bridger from now on. I mean, that's, that's Which his is job. ironic because his name is Bridgewater. So he is the <laughs> ideal bridge quarterback. Because, I'm laughing at my incredibly stupid joke. You know, because I think what you're saying, Teddy Bridgewater is the ideal bridge guy because you get the performance against Dallas and then you get him evading a guy running for a pick six the next week, and he has to apologize <laughs> that he didn't try to tackle the guy. Because any quarterback is is throwing themselves into that fire. Now, that I will happened. say Justin Herbert made a great tackle in the game. I think it was last week. I mean, he might have got – you know, he got banged up a little bit, but he made a great – Herbert's he, too stupid to know. <laughs> as soon as Herbert's career is is year to year – He'll he'll think twice about that, make so, that business decision. So we're defining the bridge quarterback as the guy before you find the guy. You don't have the guy, or the guy is not ready to play yet. And so that's who it is. From a performance standpoint, you know what what does the bridge guy look like? You said Garoppolo, but I think Garoppolo is a little bit more than a bridge guy because Garoppolo's pay does not suggest he's a bridge guy. Because also he's the handsomest getting, guy in the NFL. Uh, yes, too. exactly. And he's he's pretty Jimmy. Uh, why doesn't just act? <laughs> Doing this football thing. Did you just you? say, why did he just act? Stop just go act. This, this football thing. <laughs> Steelers freak is hilarious. He said, Dalton isn't a bridge. He's a one-rope fairy. Can I, can I can I segue really quick? I, I, I will drone on about this, but my thought when I read that was when I was growing up, uh, there was a creek that ran uh, at, at the, the bottom level of the neighborhood uh, subdivision that I was in. My friend lived uh, five or six houses down and there was a Kmart on the other side of the creek, uh, like 100 yards off. We drug a, a down tree over to his part of the creek and laid it across the creek so we could climb across it. That's Andy Dalton. That's the bridge that he is. He is the dead tree. The two people moved to position so we could go to Kmart. All right. When we were seven years old, eight years old. Well, let, let me, let's, let's say, let me, let me ask you this. Is Ben actually the bridge quarterback right now? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been saying, of course he is. He's on a one year deal. Uh, they had to get him to take a pay cut in, in order to keep him. Otherwise, they would have had to cut him. It, he's absolutely a bridge. The problem is 
they don't have the quarterback. They, they weren't going to have the quarterback for two years. This whole, this is part of sexy tanking Lance. They had to have a, 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 a non Rudolph quarterback prepared to start on top of that. There's the PR side of it. You want to, to be able to give Ben a proper send off. I think they've learned uh, in their franchise's history. It's better to have that than it is to, to do it the other way. It's not entirely 100% cutthroat in every situation. You need to make, good with with your top guys and on top of that ben is is still better than mason rudolph and they weren't going to have the money to sign anybody else and andy dalton the kmart quarterback cost 10 million dollars so you didn't have a choice but ben's position is still the same I, i think it's hilarious there are people that are still talking about the idea that ben might play next season he's not going to play okay he's done look at him he's finished everybody ripped on philip rivers last season When's he going to retire? He's finished. How is Ben any better? He's probably worse, to be honest. He had two injuries that have been on the injury report since week two. He's not able to come back from COVID, despite everyone else seeming to be able to do that. I, he's not going to play another season. This was it for him. So like Vernon said, can a bridge quarterback make make Ben's money? I think Ben's, Ben's money this year? Absolutely. Jimmy Garoppolo is making $23 million. Exactly. And I think when you blend it um, – it's it's if you look at the definition, Vernon and listeners, if if it's the guy before you find the guy, then you can have a certain mix of performance, pay and pedigree and a guy be the bridge guy, because ultimately for me, it's about performance. If you don't have the guy, whoever you start is the bridge guy. So most people in the National Football League have bridge guys because they're always searching for the guy because they don't have the guy here's the question for the Steelers is how effective because I think after we talked earlier this morning how effective is Mason Rudolph in the role of being the bridge guy (laughs) I mean I I think that's the question because it's a great question I think it's a great question and if Andy Dalton made 10 million last year Rudolph signed for four that's what they think of Mason Rudolph. Wow, that says it right there. <laughs> yeah, and he's probably their starting quarterback next year. He's not even – is. do we get worse than Kmart nowadays? Somebody dollar made a comment store. about Kmart being – okay, he, he's the dollar store to Dalton's Kmart, I think. <laughs> so Double H asked the question, Goff is making more, and he's a bridge quarterback also. He's absolutely right. Goff is a bridge guy. If, you know, if they, it, it, here's the thing. Detroit is the only place that doesn't think that he's a bridge quarterback. That's why they passed on Justin Fields. How well did that work out? Jared Goff is terrible. That offense is absolutely. I don't know if Lance in, in this era of the NFL, I don't know how many passing offenses we've seen that are worse than the Detroit Lions. Did you notice how badly they screwed up like four screen passes, screen yeah. passes. They couldn't run those. They, that, that team can't do anything. The fact that they passed on on fields absolutely shocked me. I'm, I'm still at a loss why they would bother to do that. Jared Goff had the money that he's making. He's cuttable next year. You had the chance to lock up a franchise quarterback, one that to some degree I could see why a coach would not want to have to start Justin Fields from week one. Trevor Lawrence, yes. Justin Fields, probably not. Give him some time. You know, it's year one. It's a new coaching staff. You don't need to put the guy out there right away. Wait until he's ready. That's why you have Goff, okay? Goff is 
the 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 expiring contract in the NBA. He's the guy that you're going to get rid of next season anyway. He's the bridge. He is the bridge quarterback. He is the bridge quarterback. The Lions have no solution at quarterback next year. It's going to have to be Jared Goff because they passed on Justin Fields. So the Lions are the only ones that didn't that didn't get your definition of the guy before you have the guy. They should have had the guy. He should be their second string, if not their starter right now. Here's the problem that I had with our with our discussion this morning. We were talking about, so I think we conclude that Mason is the bridge guy, or at least Mason is going to be given the opportunity to be the bridge guy. It's the most depressing. Which is which is, and, and when I think of that, I think of man, seventeen games of having to talk about Mason Rudolph playing quarterback. I don't know that's, how. That's creative. a great point. We didn't even discuss that. The fact that they up games in the league right before Mason Rudolph has to start. I mean, an extra game <laughs> of Mason worse. Rudolph. Thanks, I mean, that's, just, that's, that's just... But my thought was about the $2.3 million restricted free agent, the tender to put on uh, Haskins and bring Haskins mm. back. Mm. And, and, and I'm thinking, you know, I mean, with that, that tender, and that's the low tender, because there's basically no restricted free agents in the National Football League. It's hard uh, to become a restricted free agent. That's basically unlimited. You look at it, Dwayne Haskins set to <laughs> what Dwayne Haskins did to get to the Pittsburgh Steelers is exactly why you don't see many restricted free agents. Exactly. Those guys are supposed to be under contract. But uh, oh boy, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, can you have a worse quarterback room? potentially next year than Mason no, Rudolph no. and Dwayne Haskins. I mean, that Except could be all time bad. <laughs> the Lions yes. might be, as it was mentioned in the comments, if we're going to compete with the Lions for the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. And, it, you know, that that this all precludes the draft. I honestly, I don't know, just because it's them, I, I just feel like they're not going to take a quarterback in round one. They're going to go with Rudolph to be the bridge but they're going to take a guy in the second round and everyone's going to hate him. He's going to be like the, the big upside project guy. He's going to be Mason Rudolph to save his life. No, he'll actually have like a, a, a future, you know, Rudolph doesn't have, we've seen Rudolph's future. He's Landry Jones. He's taller Landry Jones. That that's, that's all he's going to be. Well, a richer Landry Jones, I guess, because he will have uh, cashed in next year on, on a $4 million uh, bounty for whatever he's done in Pittsburgh to this point. But um, yeah, it, it's, there really isn't anything about Mason Rudolph to make you think he is better than the guy before you find the guy. And I really think that the Steelers are going to look at the draft to put somebody behind Mason Rudolph and their plan will be to play Mason Rudolph when he is able to play uh, until his contract is up and then hand the reins over to, I honestly, I think a second round guy, I, I don't think they'll take one in the first. So my thought is why not? Cause right now I'm looking at Teddy Bridgewater's contract. His cap number is 4.4 million. I don't know if he c- continues to get that. I mean, that's a bridge number in terms of pay. He is a bridge quarterback name bridge. <laughs> you know why, why he's literally you, wearing it on his back you know he's literally wearing bridge on his jersey why why don't you give him the tag amount the the, the tender amount excuse me the 2.3 you bring him in you put him with mason rudolph and you get the second round guy so you make your quarterback room fractionally better 
but you have a quarterback that's at least better than Mason Rudolph. It's hard to think you're going to sell Mason Rudolph <laughs> to your Steelers fan base. Steelers 2022. Our quarterback is slightly better than Mason Rudolph. I mean, Buy it's, season it's, it's, tickets now. Exactly. Like, how can you sell season tickets with Mason Rudolph? On, I don't, on, on I don't a, know how they're going to sell this team next year. I think that's a big part of why they paid T.J. Watt what they paid him. I, they need somebody because they know that their quarterback in the next three years is not going to be popular in any way, shape, or form. And Steeler um, 63 said at breast, a bridge over three rivers. Like it's a, it's a bridge into the three rivers. That's the yes. problem. They do, <laughs> he's he's a bridge in name only. It's a bridge that doesn't take you anywhere. He's, I don't know. <laughs> this this is weird to me. Like I hope we haven't depressed all of you guys. I hate this topic. I, you know, I, <laughs> I thought, just hate this. I I, 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 I I'm just so thinking bad. of this because this is. I wish you know, I was wrong. I I really wish I was wrong. I would bet on this right now. It's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to end up with the the Kellen Mond candidate in the second round next year, who's going to be taken at you know according to everybody at least one round too high or whatever. He's going to be a dude that that shouldn't see the field in year one. He's going to be Jordan Love, you know. It's going to be that level of a guy. And Double it, H it, is hilarious. Yeah, he's on and, fire tonight. Unless in this or Double H's comments, which I think are Afro, we might be eight and nine next year, ladies and it, gentlemen. But we're not going to tie a damn game. I know that. You're slightly better, 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a hell of a way to sell the season. Anyway, before we get out of here, Neil, anything you want to promote? You typically don't. I typically no. don't ask, but I wanted to ask on this Wednesday. Is there something you wanted to promote? Um, no, no. I've got a lot of internal stuff going on at work right now. It's a lot less football than anything. Um, I've got a chance to to really get around the network much and see what's going on. But um, we got something in the works I can't mention right now, but I, I will be promoting something in the near future. So uh, look forward to that. It's pretty cool. He'll be promoting Mason Rudolph's IG. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 oh, yeah. How about this? How about this? It, it, it's it's a show with two of our writers. We're going to do a, a, a web show. Um, first topic they're going to discuss will be Mason Rudolph, the, the bridge to nowhere. Ah, nice. The, nice. The bridge not far enough, Mason Rudolph. Hopefully I inspired and the 2022 that. Steelers. Hopefully I inspired <laughs> it's that. A, it's we, a great topic if you want to dive into it. We, we didn't yes. even touch on half of it. I mean, we, yeah. we can do another show on this. No, we shall not do another show on this. <laughs> it's going to be the entire offseason anyway. I don't oh, think we're we... going to hear. Who's quarterback yes. going to be? Yes. It's Mason, I, like guys. Double H says, I want to burn my eyes and singe my ears now. No I more Mason. I was getting my hair cut when news broke that they extended Rudolph. And I, I swear to God, I heard other people at the salon like, oh, no, not that damn Rudolph. I'm surprised you didn't move your head in the chair and get a gash cut out of it. I mean, I don't know. Like, there are cuts, so I would have jumped, there. and they would have just took a. I think I, I, think I let out a, a under my breath a little bit too loud. Oh fuck! Are you serious? <laughs> what the hell? But with that, we are going to go ahead and conclude the show after the f bomb. And Steeler fans, as always, tune in, tell a friend and subscribe.